Hello and welcome to a very special episode of Dungeons and Diapers. No, it's not very special in that old sitcom style where Ryan's going to have to deal with the ramifications of filling in his pool. It is special in the something different way. Today, uh, we are going to be doing something different. But before we do that something different, I would be remiss if I did not introduce myself and the cast of characters on this show, which luckily is only one other character, so it's going to be short. I am Crofton Steers, one of the hosts of uh, Dungeons and Diapers. With me, my co-host, Ryan Murphy. Ryan, how are you? I'm good. My dog is also in the room, but she's sleeping. Should I wake her up or... No, okay. no, definitely do not wake up your dog. Okay, that, I, you know, I'm oh, wait, no, she's not in the room. Never mind, she left. Um, she, don't read into like, that, uh, listeners. She, she's like, oh, unsubscribe. <laughs> um, oh, he's recording yeah. another podcast with Crofton. I thought he already did one of these tonight. Look, here's the thing: your dog mm-hmm. does not know why this episode is so special. So no. I understand why your dog would choose to leave the room, but listeners are going to choose to stay. Hopefully. Not just because the title of the episode will reveal why this episode is special, but because I will reveal it with my words right now. So um, this we're a little bit behind on this, but Ryan and I both like have been enjoying the Marvel shows on Disney Plus, um, and uh, particularly Loki that just concluded its run. We wanted to talk about them. Uh, we didn't really know how to fit it in. Like t- We wanted to do a full-on spoiler cast. We wanted to give folks the opportunity to watch the shows. We wanted to, um, we didn't want to just like peg in these spoiler casts as they became outdated because by the time we were ready to talk about some of the shows, the next one had rolled along. It was hard to find a gap already. Loki has been uh, done for a couple of weeks now. So we're not as topical as we would like. That said, we're going to talk about the Disney Plus MCU TV verse, uh, what we liked, what we didn't like, what we're looking forward to. So, needless to say, from pretty much this point on, we're talking spoilers for WandaVision, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and Loki. So, if you're not caught up on those, I would say get caught up or just listen to this and don't choose not to care. One thing I will say is that in the interest of a natural conversation and thoughts of things, we'll be doing a lot of comparing and contrasting. We'll be talking about different shows. So it's not going to be like a neat, hey, skip ahead five minutes to avoid Loki. Um, you know, we're going to be we're going to be talking about all these shows and sort of a, a, a mismatch, if you will. And so um, so, you know. That said, those are your three. That's your homework. If you haven't, uh, if you haven't been following along, you know, put this on pause. Do your do your homework, and then uh, then fill your ears. Otherwise, uh, you know, prepare to be spoiled. Is that about uh, is that about right, Brian? That sounds right. And you know, yeah. I, and you know, even if you have not watched the Marvel TV shows, and you're kind of thinking, ah, I don't really care about spoilers. I like. I think you might want to like specifically for Loki. Um, I think Loki's the one that you probably want to experience on your own. Although I think that was one of the three shows, maybe outside of early WandaVision that really did have its 
endpoints spoiled, right, through the internet and just through general conversation. Um, I didn't get that sense from Falcon or even the ending of WandaVision, not because they ended with like sort of a, a whimper, but just they ended sort of in an expectation of the continuing story. And I think with Loki, that this that show has been the unknown explored and also the known if you know we're going to talk about why that would make sense but like we kind of knew where the mc was going and so far nothing had set it up and loki sets it up with a bang i i was definitely not spoiled on, on the end of loki um i guess i watched it in time i wasn't aware that it was something that was spoiled for a lot of people uh but um articles but yeah, were everywhere so again like if you're if you're interested in reading that stuff and you visit like any entertainment site like i know polygon was covering a lot of it igm was covering a lot of it like it's a big deal um in just the way marvel casts characters and the way characters are announced and the way characters are portrayed um even though they don't directly spell it out at the end of loki like it is directly connected to the future of the MCU, right? So, so I got a couple of questions sure. off, off the hop for you before we get actually into content. Um, so, number one, how do you feel about uh, the release model of the Disney Plus shows, the one week release model where you have an episode, then you, you come back a week later until the, the season is done compared to the, the Netflix uh, d- drop it and dump it type uh, type type situation and i i would note that you you just commented on the internet spoiling things in the internet and uh, i i would say that like you know one of the benefits of the weekly release model is likely that you can get online discussion fermented and going for a longer period of time so what what was your did you feel that these shows benefited from it would you like to have seen them all dropped at the same time did it depend on the show what's your i think some of the shows benefited from a weekly release. I think Loki did because Loki really had that. What is this? What's going on? I think the first three quarters of WandaVision benefited from it. I think Falcon would have been better. Just like, um, well, I mean, here's the thing. The weekly release, you're right. It extends the conversation. And that is what Disney is doing here. That is what Marvel is doing here. Um, but yeah, like I think WandaVision really capitalized on it for the first three quarters. Loki definitely capitalized it on it for the whole release. But I think Falcon, the Winter Soldier could have easily been released as even in, in two parts, you know, um, because there is like two arcs there that would that would have been really cool to, to sort of discuss um, in chunks. But my personal feelings on it is that you would ask me before I had kids if I like the binge model and I would have said, yes, absolutely. Give it all to me at once. But now that I have kids and projects and other games I want to play and so many TV shows and movies and stuff, I like the weekly release. Cause if I'm really dedicated to a show, I want to watch it the day it releases in the evening with Ashley. And I want to make an event of it. And I think that's what we did with all three of these shows is this is the day they released. I would mute the keyword on Twitter because that was the thing I was mostly checking and I would avoid all entertainment sites because I didn't want to be spoiled. Uh, and, and I would watch it that night. So for me having to find one hour on a Friday or Wednesday night was doable. Finding six to eight hours on a Friday night. I can't compete with folks who can watch all of this in one go. 
And that's just, that's just where I'm at in my, I have, and I mean, it's not just even having kids that affects it. It's just, it's more just the way like Ashley does not like binging. And if I want to watch it with Ashley, there's no way I'm going to convince her to sit there and watch eight hours straight. Um, but I have friends who said like, oh yeah, um, you know, Black Summer released on Netflix, the new zombie flick. And I watched the whole thing in a weekend and I'm like, I can't do that. (laughs) And, um, I like to spoil myself, even though I hate spoilers, I'll always, I'll look into stuff like, oh, I wonder what happens in this. And it's more like, it's not morbid curiosity, but it, it is definitely a form of curiosity of like, I need to know what happens in this now because I've waited X amount of years. And sometimes it's tough for me to hold, hold back. But with Marvel, I try my darndest and I've, I've been really good. Like I didn't spoil anything about Endgame. I experienced that in theaters, no matter how hard that wait was, um, I'm going to try to do that with Spider-Man in December. I, I, I think that uh, I'm in agreement. The weekly release model was, uh, for me, it eventizes each episode. And uh, that really is beneficial overall for all of the series. I agree with you that the one that, if you were going to dump it all at the same time, that might have made sense is Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I don't think that that – because WandaVision – so WandaVision has a, a sitcom homage motif for each episode. So you can divide the episodes up in your mind. Loki, things change. The status quo for the characters change so much each episode that you can sort of divide up the episodes in your mind. I also want to say there's less episodes of Loki. I'm, I'm not sure if that's true. And then Falcon in the Winter Soldier, for me, it was it was the pretty much a movie broken into chunks, right? Like it was like, Here's a movie. Let's break it into chunks to the point that the first episode of that series, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, was half Falcon, half Winter Soldier. They didn't interact once, right? Which makes sense if you're watching the beginning of a movie, you know, um, and it, it's setting 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 up the the uh, each character before they start interacting. Um, so just just before we get into the the meat, my other my other question is, how did you feel as a whole? These three shows uh, compared to what had been done by Marvel previously uh, in partnership with other studios on Netflix and on network TV. Um, like, did did you feel like overall this was a big upping of the game? Did you find it was a lessening of things? It was a status quo? What did you think? I think they definitely upped their game. I think the biggest thing you can see here is consistency. You know, there are good episodes of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. There are uh, good seasons of Netflix Marvel shows. Um, there are bad shows from Netflix for Marvel stuff. And I think that's the biggest thing here is like the MCU has this, we were talking about this pre-show, the MCU has this consistent quality where there truly are no terrible MCU films. There are not great ones. And I think I stand by that in that there are no bad MCU films. They're just not great, you know? And there's some really, really, really good ones and some stellar payoffs to decade-long storylines. And when you look at the TV shows on Disney+, Plus, what they've crafted so far, and again, this is three, three, ep- three shows, and I think they've all kind of nailed that MCU quality, 
they're not as bombastic as all the films. Certainly there are, are scenes that have that high quality, you know, budget and effects. Um, but, you know, I, watching it all, I, I didn't see anything in the show that made me think, ah, they probably would have nailed that shot if it was the movie, right? Or that effects would the effects would have looked better if this was like an MCU movie project. It really felt like they were bringing what they can do now for, you know, a little amount of money or less amount of money is just, it's incredible in comparison to what you couldn't do, you know, five, six years ago when some of those Marvel projects were on. So I think that's the biggest deal. When you think about, like, I don't know about you, but when I was a kid and I saw something on TV, like, the difference between made for TV and what was in movies was so night and day. Like, if there were special effects on a show like, you know, Buffy the Vampire Slayer or whatever, and you compare it to, like, what was going on in movie theaters at the time, it was, like, laughable. You're like, oh, this is a TV thing, right? Um, and, uh, and, and now that line in the streaming area is so blurred, so blurred. One thing I found about all three of the shows, I didn't watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So I, I, I gotta, I gotta mention that straight up. I've literally to this day, never seen one episode of that show. Um, but I did watch a good amount of the Netflix stuff. And I will say like and I don't know. I, I need I need some time to think about this more to be to be sure with the passage of time. But I don't think anything on the um, the Disney of the three Disney Plus shows I liked as much as the first seasons of Daredevil and Jessica Jones. I think I think that those two shows um, were at least they they appealed to me personally. And and they worked in a way that I felt that some of these Disney MCU pro- projects didn't work. And and I, what I mean by that is while they had the budget and while they were able to tie into the MCU and really feel like parts of the MCU, in many ways, I'd say – I don't want to say – uh, maybe Falcon and the Winter Soldier aside is is probably the the, the one aside. The, the the other two had kind of big moments at the end that that maybe were status quo changing moments for the for the universe. But I mostly felt that they were kind of like filler shows in a way where Daredevil show is like Kingpin is Daredevil's big bad guy. It is him coming up and there is a big conclusion and the story is resolved and it always feels like the biggest thing going on in that world. Whereas, you know, like Loki's talking about Thor and you're like, yeah, Thor's not in this, you know, like it's, you, you know, he's never going to walk around the corner. Like it feels like, it feels like small in a weird way because it feels to me anyway, like a lot of these shows were made but didn't need to exist like falcon and the winter soldier at the end of in endgame cap gives the shield to sam Mm -hmm. there's going to be a new movie sam's going to be captain america in it if you just went from that movie from endgame to that movie you'd be like yeah whatever that makes sense cap gave him the shield now he's cap right like this whole the whole journey and i'm not trying to devalue the journey sam went on or the journey that um 
that Bucky went on, but they were superfluous journeys to a larger storyline, right? They were really, they were really not necessary. Uh, they, yeah, they get you more attached to the characters, but like that, that was about it. WandaVision was a bit different in that she be officially becomes the Scarlet Witch at the end. So there's something there. And Loki, I think is the one real exception where I feel like, you know, depending on, on where things go next with the multiverse and stuff, that is like the big, the big one. I think it is the one that felt that like the end of it in particular could have rippling effects on everything moving forward. But I felt the two previous shows, I could almost have like you could almost not watch and watch the movies and be fine. Where Loki, it feels like the movies are going to have to do heavy lifting to get you caught up. You're absolutely right when it comes to Loki. The ending of that uh, is going to require and probably will have um, some moments in Doctor Strange in the Madness Multiverse of Madness is going to likely have something in it. Uh, addressing what Loki went through. It could even be Loki showing up. There was a news story shortly after Loki um, finished up. It was like, yeah, Tom Hiddleston's going to be in Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Probably him showing up really upset and saying, ah, the multiverse. So who knows? But, uh, I, you know, WandaVision, you're right, is the journey of, you know, uh, Wanda turning into the Scarlet Witch, and, and that's a big deal from a comic perspective, I I don't know if I, you know, 100% agree with you when it comes to Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I think you're right. You can make the logical leap from the end of Endgame to the next Captain America movie and be like, yeah, you know, of course, in a perfect world, when Steve Rogers passed that shield onto, you know, Sam Wilson, he became Captain America. But we don't live in a perfect world, right? And I think that's the story they were telling in Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And the reason they told that story was to show the journey that, of course, there's going to be, you know, a story told in between those two moments, you know, and how Sam Wilson feels about becoming Captain America. And they introduced some interesting characters along the way with, you know, the first uh, black Captain America um, from, I think it was the... 50s or 60s right and i think that's really that's interesting i don't know if they'll revisit it i would imagine they will revisit it if they are doing you know a uh sam wilson captain america focused movie like they'll bring some of those characters back and i think that's where all three of these shows while keeping their universes tight you know there was not a lot of like other a-list heroes coming into um into the shows they've kind of kept it tight to the characters that they announced with and i know the internet kind of went all oh my god is professor x going to show up you know people's expectations are so high you know partly due to this being you know a year of no mcu and also just the hype placed around the connected universe but really at the end of the day they kept the cast tight they did not really leave that sort of um the people in the title basically um, with a few exceptions of bringing in some B and C characters. Uh, but there is room for these characters that are you're exploring in these TV shows to show up in the movies, you know, and where we leave all these characters. Like, I can tell you right now, do I think, um, you know, Wanda's kids are going to show up in Multiverse of Madness? Absolutely. They're going to be in that movie. Um, 
you know, is uh, is Reborn Vision going to show up? Probably. Yeah, like, he's going to be in there. Like, they're not doing more seasons of WandaVision and Falcon and Winter Soldier. Those are turning into movies, so I feel like the biggest characters are going to show back up in those movies. Now, Loki is getting a second season. You know, are they... The timelines of that are weird because... I don't know if the second season is going to pop up before Multiverse of Madness. Like, if that's how that's going to work, it could. Um, but there's like a there's in my mind there's some stuff that needs to happen before the multiverse kind of explodes. And really, it's like December when that is going to happen. So just just um, if you had to rank the three right now in terms of your personal preference. What would it be? Uh, you know, like, and again, having, if you were to ask me to like rank them in, you know, order I'd seen them, like, you know, when WandaVision came out, it's like, oh man, this is really great. But I think like Loki takes top spot. And I honestly did not expect that. Um, Loki is a character that I appreciate, but was not as attached to as, as other folks were. So when he died in Endgame, I was like, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, he's been around for a while. He, he keeps pushing people's buttons. Um, he should probably die for real. And then when he kind of escaped, like another version of him escaped, I'm like, it, in that moment, it was like, oh yeah, they're making a show about him. Of course, they're going to do something with him because they can't kill the most popular character uh, or at least the most um, fan favored. Uh, so yeah, Loki up top. Um, and then you get down to Falcon and Winter Soldier. And I think this just goes to the quality of what they've crafted here. I love the week-to-week mystery of WandaVision and the chances they took in presenting a different style of TV show and kind of exploring the creativity of that side of things. So I like that. But, you know, like, the complete package, it it did kind of leave me wanting a little bit in terms of the mystery. Um, Falcon and the Winter Soldier is just kind of like a really good, well-put-together MCU bunch of films right and i and i like the characters they introduced there was some weaknesses there but um like i don't know it's tough i might put wandavision above falcon the winter soldier just due to the fact that i really did like the sitcom stuff the mystery week to week and the conclusion while like okay yeah she gets her powers and um she t- she, she she survives and, and kind of goes off into the wilderness blow to- some shit up yeah, like she basically plays the Hulk there at the end where she realizes what she's done and then she goes into seclusion, but then she's like reading a really bad book, <laughs> you know? So yeah, it, it's a close, it's it's close, but I guess you're asking me to rank them. So I would say definitely Loki, then like a very close uh, second and third with WandaVision, then Falcon. Not to say Falcon the Winter Soldier wasn't enjoyable and really great. It's just... For, it, it's just the presentation of WandaVision really did it for me. I really like that. I know a lot of people might not like the uh, sitcom first three episodes, but I really liked the the goofiness of that. It, I like that stuff. So for me, it's it's Loki, WandaVision, Falcon, and the Winter Soldier. So I think that we have sim- the same ranking. The difference between yours and mine is the gulfs. Because there's there's a sizable sizable ones, and I mentioned this on Dungeons and Diapers before. I didn't really care about most of these characters before these shows were announced. I was it's kind of a hard sell for me. Uh, you know, all of them were, and I, I guess the point is they're either villains or secondary characters or what have you. 
Um, but every single one of the show did a good job of getting me invested in these characters. Ironically, the characters that I cared the most about were Falcon and the Winter Soldier because I was really into the Captain America movies. Like I thought they were awesome. I was really, you know, I was keen to to, to learn more and 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 to uh, to to spend more time uh, with them. I thought that that series was really great in terms of the characterization of Sam and Bucky, but that the plot was an absolute mess and like the antagonists. And their motivations were super unclear. Um, they, they, you know, it kept changing. Uh, you know, they had a lot of like, oh, is this person evil? They reintroduced Zemo, Sharon Carter, and all of this. But the main ongoing antagonist was this lady whose name I've already forgotten. Um, and uh, was really just, I mean, not particularly great and a lot of the plotting it was labyrinthian and and didn't go anywhere meanwhile the best parts of that show were were really the character development um you know and and the only i would say successful new introduction of a character on that show was john walker the new captain america but even his arc fizzled out uh, by the end and i think to myself when with the benefit of time, would I ever watch this show again? And the answer is no, likely not. Um, it, it's, it's like um, a mediocre movie extended very long for me. So I was like, Oh, that's too bad. It's it, too bad. There were some great moments in it. There was a, some, a great, a few great action sequences and a few powerful moments with the black captain America you mentioned, but unfortunately, tonally, that, that did not work with WandaVision and Loki. And why is that important? Because if the events of Loki and, and, and even the events of WandaVision prove anything, we're in these comic book movies. So when you, when you try to att uh, attach real issues like being a black man in, in society and, and having, having to – what it means for a black man to pick up the shield, these are powerful issues. But then if in the next – show you're like and there's a zillion multiverses and we're all in different ones and in this one it's all black people and white people have it hard you know like it's just it's just contextually it reduces the impact of what's going on in falcon and the winter soldier if you give it any thought whatsoever they're like we're really powerful and this is a meaningful conversation and a big thing and then the next show it's like oh and we're all crazy in the multiverse you know it, it's hard to have your cake and eat it too with those shows. So for me, Falcon the Winter Soldier clearly last. Then WandaVision second. I really, again, WandaVision did not care that much about them. All of a sudden care way more about them. And as I mentioned on Dungeons and Diapers, it dealt with Wanda dealing with her grief. And I thought that that was really cool. Just as Falcon the Winter Soldier dealt with like powerful issues, this is dealing with the powerful issue in, in that it's, your uh, grief and when uh and, and when Wanda deals with it and sort of sort of like comes to terms with it it's a powerful moment but to get there you're you're going through these homages of sitcoms and I will say that I actually really really enjoyed these those homages and I know that there's a lot of people that watched Wanda in the winners uh Wanda in the Winter Soldier that sounds like a, a new show uh WandaVision that that had never watched anything MCU before because they wanted to see the homages. Right. And, um, 
And uh, so there's a whole new audience there. And I really enjoyed the first couple of episodes of Black and White. I realized I haven't watched traditional sitcoms with laugh tracks and all that for a while. And it was just fun. Like, I really, I really enjoyed all of that. Um, up until the very last episode, which I thought, and I thought all the MCU parts they brought back, like, you know, Darcy from the Thor movies, uh, uh, Randall Park's character, uh, Jimmy, I think. Um, they brought they brought back a, a bunch of characters, and they introduced and um, Monica Rambeau's um, uh, daughter from from Captain Marvel. I found all of that was the worst part because that stuff was like wheel spinning what? and. S- you didn't like that? That oh, to me was, was one was, of the best parts. It was fine, but what does it do? Because it's the most MCU thing in there. It's traditional MCU. It's like all it served was setting up other things. And this is going back to my beef with the original, with all three of these shows, as opposed to say Daredevil or Jessica Jones. It always feels like it's in service of setting up other stuff. So it's like. Like what happened? She goes, she gets powers. She doesn't like the real story is what's happening with Wanda and Vision and like what the, what they're going through. Um, so I, I did like some of that stuff, but like in the end, like and I know COVID played a role in some of the filming, but like Darcy just like collides her truck in the finale and just to to bad guy says a line or whatever. You never see what happens to her. You never really get what happens to uh, Monica Rambeau's. Uh, uh, Monica Rambeau or whatever uh, like it's just kind of like sloppy almost it's really it doesn't matter it's what happens to one envision so second that show number one Loki now here's the thing with Loki is that I recognize that like you know just putting your biases at the door a uh, door a little bit like Loki is like the guy that would be the most kind of like me you know like so I'm I'm much more likely to identify like you know, uh, he's a stereotypical Tom Hiddleston, uh, uh, white charming dude, just like me. I'm a white charming dude with a British accent. And, uh, you know, we're pretty much clones. Um, and, uh, and so like, it's much easier for me to go on that ride because of that. And I recognize that. So I try to detach myself a little bit and be like, you know, this is, this is the show that's most, you know, that I can, that I'm identifying with the lead character, even though that, you know, he's a god of trickery and I'm a god of podcasting. So it's kind of like it's not necessarily, you know, to- totally, totally the same. But um, I-, I am aware of that bias when I come in. I'm- I am aware that he's uh, he's the one that I'm most prone to be like, oh, it's a guy. I can put myself in his shoes um, and-, and then uh, eat more easily. Um, and uh, and then as as the show is going on, though, um like I'm the art direction, the 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 uh, the bureaucracy. I work for the government, so it's very much like all of that sort of stuff. Yes, it's been done before in other shows. Most recently, as my friend pointed out, the Umbrella Academy, which also had like a time travel bureaucracy um, component, and it's true, it's very similar. Uh, the Time Variance Authority, uh, but yeah, I, I I got really into it again. I feel with Loki, the, the worst part's the end. Um, and I didn't get exactly what I wanted out of that show. Like, I, I I really liked Owen Wilson as a character. I loved their dynamics. I loved the conversations they had about free will versus determinism. 
I, I liked when they would like go out on cases early on. And like, I was kind of hoping for more of that. Um, but at the same time, like it ended up in a, it ended up in a cool place. It was a very buzzworthy type thing. And uh, for me, it is the one where like, if I'm nitpicking things, like I have the least to, to nitpick about. And it was the one that I think both my wife and I enjoyed watching the most week to week i'd be like wow that was a good one or oh that was that was really good where i know falcon and winter soldier she was really not into um and uh and wandavision kind of snuck up on us and we liked it more and more as it it went on because it had that filter of the the homages but yeah for me loki uh big gulf fairly big gulf then wandavision huge (laughs) gulf and then falcon and the winter soldier i want to like touch on what what appears to be maybe a, a a thread of your reviews, which is basically for for these shows, is basically like it, it sounds like the the MCU connectivity of these shows is what kind of throws the the quality down a bit for you, in in the sense that the threads they're setting up for the movies, even though you've got six hours of time to devote to characters, you're you're getting a lot of like, oh, this is going to pay off in this movie, and this is going to pay off in that movie, and and literally in one division, yeah, like I think Randall Park's character Jimmy and um, Daniel, uh, uh, what was the what was the lady's name? I, I said Daniel, but or Danielle Lewis, what's her name? I'm trying to remember now. Um, Monica Rambeau? No, no. Well, I'll talk about her as well. But either way, like the the duo of the lady from Thor and Jimmy from Ant-Man. Darcy Lewis. Darcy yeah. Lewis, thank you. That I loved that they brought those characters together. And for me, that worked. And that didn't feel like MCU connectivity. That felt like bringing two, two supporting characters, putting them together, and having good television. Now, Monica Rambeau felt a little forced in the sense that she didn't have existing connection outside of working for S.W.O.R.D., so again, like we need to introduce sword. We need to, um, you know, display more about the blip. So you get a little more blip stuff there with Monica Rambeau and uh, her missing the death of her mother while she was, um, she had been blipped away by Thanos. And I think there's a lot there to like, but you're right. Like at the end, it's very clearly like, you know, uh, you know I, end of Iron Man one, like next time baby with the guy looking at, at, uh, the Iron Man suit. Um, and then he didn't get it next time because they recast that character. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, it's just, it, there, that stuff, to me, doesn't annoy me because I go in knowing, like, oh, yeah, this is a vehicle for a movie or another series. And you're you're going to hate it even more because, like, future shows coming out, like Miss Marvel, is literally a vehicle for introducing yet another character that is going to show up in Captain Marvel 2, which is called Captain Marvels, which is going to have Captain Marvel, Miss Marvel, and Monica Rambeau. I don't think she has a Marvel moniker, but I don't know her comic name. But it's that's what these shows are, and that's what the movies are, and they're all just sort of... But I get where you're coming from in that, like, yeah, the Netflix shows, they, they told a self-contained story about these characters. Daredevil was very much the story of Daredevil taking on Kingpin, you know, in the first season. You you so you nailed it. You nailed that. I I do have an issue with the and it's not the interconnectivity. It's the storytelling. So in the Daredevil shows, they have uh, they had the Night Nurse played by Rosario Dawson, 
who sort of like uh, provided linkages and she would come up in each each plot like organically be woven into the story of each episode and and then eventually like i in this you know i'm i did not watch the defenders crossover on netflix no. that they eventually had i didn't watch um, it either so so like you know they they didn't successfully get me get me in there uh, they lost me before then but um but i guess my my point is that you can weave in like little threads for next time. Like you, like next time, baby, like um, in Iron Man or even the cliffhanger after credit sequence in the movie. Like the, Marvel is great at these after credits being like, hey, here's a little thing. Here's a little thing for next time. Get you excited. But the movie itself has to end and all the threads have to be tied up in the plot of that film. When you're watching a movie, if it's like, okay, well, what the, what the hell happened to this guy or whatever? If there's like four characters that just disappear or go off or have no resolution or the resolution is completely anticlimactic then it starts to it starts to suffer under that weight like the story itself needs to needs to be closed off to a certain extent with one major exception if it is an to be continued into another either movie or, sh or other season of show. I would have a huge issue with the way Loki season one ended if Loki season two wasn't on the horizon, right? If they're like, these, this story is not over yet, it will continue. And you're like, oh, okay. All right, that's fine. I'm willing to forgive you a lot because of that. But if you're like, this is the end of this show, this is the end of WandaVision. There will be no season two of WandaVision. If you just watch this season of WandaVision, did they do right by the side plot that they had going on with all these side characters outside of the Vision and Wanda thing? And my thing would be, no, they didn't. It was, it was like, while it was compelling, while it was going on, at the end, they kind of just like, you know, it just kind of fizzles out. And uh, a lot of these characters... Um, including uh, 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 Monica Rambeau spend the last episode in a room with the, the fake Quicksilver, you know, like it, <laughs> it really, it really is just, and again, I recognize there's some COVID restrictions. I think that led to some uh, behind the scenes adjustments, but like for me, you're right to say one of my issues um, that gets compounded with these television shows is if there's just too much, uh, nudge nudge wink wink and the show then ends and then you're supposed to do 18 levels of homework to figure out where you follow the next story you just told me where monica rambo is going to show up next so i'm like okay so she's going to be in this movie how the hell would i know about that right when watching that show especially in like 10 years or whatever you need like a wikipedia entry to sort of follow where all these pieces uh of show are so that 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 is my i prefer like especially if it's a finite product that it that it that, that there be the nudge nudge the i'll see you next time the after credit sequence but it not be a complete you know like major part of the show that is just you know fall you know falls apart um mid midstream and uh I just felt, I guess I felt that a little bit with, with WandaVision in particular. With Falcon and the Winter Soldier, it was tough because I felt the plot was such a mess that, that like, you know, you're trying to figure out, they mentioned the power broker. You're trying to find out, oh, is it Zemo? Is it, you know, is he going to betray them? Is it this and that? And then, like, his arc is so odd. It, 
they break him out and then he doesn't really do anything other than provide a few memes. He just kind of like he follows him around and you keep thinking, oh, he's going to he's going to betray them or he's got some big scheme. And then the Wakandans come for him and they're like, oh, we want him. Okay, and then they give him to the Wakandans finally, and it's just like, what was the point of all that? You know, and, and for for me, there was there was a lot of that in 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 Falcon and the Winter Soldier, where you're like, what? what you think about things, and you're like, what was the point? And then it ended on the Sharon Carter twist, uh, who was like, I think everybody and their mother had guessed at that point. Okay, the power broker's got to be her, uh, and then yes, surprise, she. It is her, and they introduce uh, Julia Louis Dreyfus in the before final episode um, as a new character uh, who who helps rechristen um, the the fallen Captain America, new Captain America's U.S. agent, and then and then she, there's nothing really done with that. She gets him <laughs> a new costume. And then he shows up as a good guy in the final episode, even though it was kind of unearned and he had up until recently been psychotic. Um, and so, so yeah, it was, it was just uh, that, that was messy. And I know part of it is suspension of disbelief, but I had a hard time with that, with, with that as well. So those connective pieces, I appreciate it. I appreciate that Julia Louis-Dreyfus' character is going to come out back in certain things. I don't appreciate that it kind of messes up the end of this soldier, this, this series, it's not going to have a second season. This is the end of the show. And then all of a sudden it's like, okay, there's some lady and I've got to figure out what movie she's going to appear in. Like just feels like a little much. I think um, what the approach being taken by the MCU and has been taken for a very long time is that we are going to make the best uh, show, best content we can make and we expect you to watch all of it and look forward to the next thing you know i think that's what they're kind of doing with star wars now too where now you have to um they're telling a story where you have to watch the cartoons you have to watch the shows when they introduce you know boba and uh reintroduce boba fett and then say ah well there's a boba fett series coming well yeah you got to watch that before you watch mandalorian season three that's the approach that Disney is taking with some of their biggest franchises and and Marvel's been doing this for over a decade. So I know we've discussed Marvel fatigue in the past and I know you're, you're there kind of hit and miss. Um, and, and I don't think I've, I've gotten there yet. I'm, I'm happy to consume Marvel content, you know, every couple months, uh, which is what we've gotten so far. I think it is going to slow down again once they get through the COVID, um, backlog, but, um, this year is going to continue with, uh, you know, um, What If in August, Shang-Chi in September, uh, The Eternals and uh, Hawkeye in November, and then Spider-Man in December. It's going to keep going. And I think that's where you you can be sort of, ah, man, the, the winks and nods. Like, it is kind of annoying. But if you're along for the ride, you're like, oh, I know that character is going to come up again because why else would they do the wink and the nod? 
the wink and nods are annoying. I'm saying that the the broken storytelling is annoying. It's like when a character is introduced in a in a story, and then the story ends, and that character they don't <laughs> tell you what happens. They just whatever. Then that's not like it's not even a cameo. It's when a character is an integral part of a story, and then you're like, okay, this character is gone now, or this character is no longer important, or this character is going to reappear some other time, but we're not going to tell you. Uh, you know uh when it, it 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 is that's that's my like like julia louis dreyfus's character appeared in the final two episodes and play had substantial scenes uh in falcon and the winter soldier but i mean in the end she did like yeah she's probably going to be in other things i'm able to play that game i'm like yeah all right what's she going to be in you know but what's val going to be in i'll figure I'll, i guess i'll figure it out but like it just feels like like that, that it is not well p- done storytelling. Like if you look at the arc of a story of, of characters and adding tert- tertiary characters for no reason, when you could get the characters in the story where they need to be without those shortcuts, um, you know, and have her come in when she makes sense to an actual story. Yeah. That's what I mean. I just find, I, I, I think that there's a balance and I think that they've been great about it in the movies, and I think that they've kind of lost it on these shows. That's my, that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, and you're not wrong. Like Val's character being introduced, that is a tease that comic book fans and and I'll admit I did not know until I googled her. You know, and she is you know setting up uh, either the Dark Avengers or helping Thunderbolt Ross set up the Thunderbolts, and again. That all makes sense within the connective tissue if you know the comics and if or if you Google it like I did. And yeah, that is uh, in the moment bad storytelling. But like, I don't know. It, you're right. The movies have certainly done it better. But I think it's because the movies have less, they have less room to work with. And maybe the extended runway of a TV show, they're just getting a little too crazy with instead of having a minute um you know, teaser at the end of a film, they've now got scenes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes of these characters being introduced. And you kind of see that like, uh, you know, Val, uh, her character will show up again. And I, uh, you know, she has shown up. uh, And again, I don't, I don't want to spoil anything, but like, she's probably going to be showing up over the course of the phase four, you know, with certain characters based on what she's done with us agent she'll be like the the nick fury and i mean like this is this is the thing like nick fury when he showed up at the end credit scene of iron man one everybody was excited but in iron man two he shows up as the side character that really just like has no real bearing on the plot right whereas in captain marvel he's the second main character uh in the avengers he's he's a primary character so it's how you work these characters in your storytelling um, and that's why, again, Loki is the the best show in the sense that that did not happen with Loki. Like, um, yes, there was the end, again, completely unsatisfying if you were not going to have a second sequence, a series, a season of the show. Like uh, Judge, what's her name, uh, who uh, jumps into a magic door and disappears. Yes. Um and uh and you're like what what's going on with her like what's going on with you know all these everything is left up in the air at the end of uh, uh the season but it's they all knew that it was all heading towards that it was all heading towards this event 
I have a question about Loki for you though, Ryan, that I literally do not know the answer to. And mm-hmm. I, I haven't watched it again, but there is at so at the end of the at the end of the season, uh the big spoiler is that the timeline goes all wonky wonky crazy. But that also seemingly happens at the end of the second episode. She sets all these bombs. There's a Loki variant that is a female Loki. Um, and she, uh, Sylvie, uh, uh, she doesn't like being called Loki. She sets a bunch of bombs, hmm. and the bombs all get sent off. And then at the end of the episode, the cliffhanger at the end is that these bombs go into different timelines and start like creating all these branching things. And everybody's looking at the the, the screen, and you see all these branches come out, and you're like, oh shit. And then, like, very similar to the end of the show, except then in the next episode. I don't know. It's like that never happened, or they they don't deal with that, or whatever. Like they did, did you? S- they don't deal with it on screen. My my thought process in the moment was basically she set off those bombs to distract as much of the TVA as possible, so she could sneak back in and confront the timekeepers. So like while they were getting to the golden elevator, she was um, or the TVA was dealing with these. Uh, nexus events that were approaching because she had set off all these bombs that was my understanding um but again it's not shown on screen it's sort of just like waved away um i just imagine the tva was doing its doing its its job at that point and that's that's what she used to to kind of slip in because she did make it to the elevator and she would have she would have gone to see the timekeepers earlier on in the series if um loki hadn't slowed her down right um, but again, like that's one of those moments where, eh, you know, plot hole, maybe, you know, just some hand wavy. I, I feel it was a distraction. You're probably right. It was just what I found annoying is that at the end, especially on these week to week episodes, it was like a cliffhanger, right? Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, the last shot of the show is like all these bombs being sent out and then, oh no, you're like, what's going to, what's going to happen with all the timey wimey stuff. And uh, yeah, but you're you're likely right. It was uh, it was a distraction. What did you think about Sylvie as a character? I really really liked her. And you know, I know we talked about this in previous episodes, but really, Loki. The reason I loved it so much is that it felt like Doctor Who, and I really got into Doctor Who six or seven years ago for like a like a, a year. Um, just watched, consumed a lot of it. That's where I I got my love of uh, you know. Christopher Eccleston and David Tennant and to maybe a lesser degree, Matt Smith. And those were the doctors that I watched and I consumed every episode of, of theirs of Dr. Who. And then I kind of stopped. And I think that's one of those things that happens with Dr. Who. Sometimes you do get that, you know, change of the doctors and that will sometimes throw you off the the show. But the, so I, I was missing it. Um, I kind of, I think I got I'd watched it all, then I got married, and then there was enough time where I was like, okay, I can go back to watching TV now. I'm, I'm done with all, all of the, uh, a lot of work that goes into to getting married. Um, I, I, I missed it. So it'd been a long time, and then now I'm watching Loki, and I was like, man, I kind of want to go watch Doctor Who now, although it's not as easy because it's not on Netflix anymore. But I, it just, it was, it reminded me a lot of Doctor Who, and Sylvie was kind of like the doctor, right? It did have a lot of that you're right like especially the episode i the moment i turned to my wife and said this is like doctor who was when they went to the plant the weird planet and it is funny because 
the episode before that, I had complained to my wife where I was like, you know, all these time, the, the all this time stuff they just keep talking about is all going on on Earth. But like the reality of it is that like they've introduced Asgard, they've introduced all these these um, planets through the Guardians of the Galaxy. Like it, they could be anywhere or they could go anywhere and they, they just limited this to Earth. And then as if to address it, the next episode, they go to this crazy planet. And I remember being like, yeah, this is very much like Doctor Who with the train and they dress as the guards and, and, and go in and stuff. It just it just really had those it really had those beats and was, you know, it was very enjoyable in that. And again, like just the world that was set up. Um, and if you remove, and this is what I, I find so interesting of how much we're willing to follow as Marvel audiences now, like, so this, this is about time travel. It's about a comp. It's about like an association that essentially manages all these different time periods. Um, it, it has its own bureaucracy, all this, this world. And then on top of that, your main protagonist, who could have just been John Smith, some guy who is a variant, you know, because there's these variants, these alternate versions of people that have done stuff wrong and need to be pruned from the timeline. You could just have had some guy, but no, they decide it's going to be a pre-existing character and it's the God of Mischief who was introduced originally in a film by Kenneth Branagh that's a Shakespearean sort of um, Shakespearean take on like the Thor myth with like the rainbow bridge and the golden things of Asgard. And so you've got this guy pulled from this world who's your point of view character in this other world that's about time and it that has its own unique art style and all of this. And it's a lot, like it is a lot to take on. And then to, to, to explore Like you get to know the, 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 uh, the sort of vernacular of the world. Like when, when the, one of the big reveals is that everyone who works at the TVA are variants. And when, when, when he runs up to Mobius played by Owen Wilson in a great piece of casting and says, but Mobius, you're all variants or whatever. Like that means nothing unless you, to like if you played that clip to somebody they'd be like okay what what's that but in the world of the show that they have built it's it's like a huge twist it's resonant it's cool and it's just a testament to the amount of crazy world building and 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 uh just for this particular show this particular world and it, the fact that it uses characters from another completely trippy marvel world which is the world of asgard it's just like a cherry on top of the cake it's so crazy that like i can sit there with my wife and we can understand like when he goes like there's there's very few bits with asgard but there are a few and one of them is he's mobius puts him in this sort of torture sequence where uh, <laughs> he gets kicked in the balls over and over again by um, Sif, I think it is, and mm -hmm. she, um, and it's just so cool. I'm like, he's back in Asgard, and it's like, I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. He is from Asgard. Like he was in an entire other realm, uh, an entire other. You know, it's just so messed up. And when your brain wraps around it all, and that's not excluding the ending, which is even gets even. Um, it's 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 really impressive. I I find both that it works at all and that it, that it works as well as it does. Yeah. Well, I remember when it was 
first announced, I was like, okay, I'll watch it because it's MCU. But I, I think even when it was leading up to it, Disney was putting a lot of marketing behind it. And I'm like, man, what are they? Are they doing this because it's Loki? Like, or is there something here? And I, I think really it was because this show is the introduction to phase four. I think WandaVision and Falcon and the Winter Soldier are vehicles to get characters to specific points for phase four. But Loki is, as you said, it it is bringing the MCU to phase four uh, by introducing the multiverse. And as someone who pays attention to, you may not pay, it sounds like you don't pay as much attention to like the exterior, like the, 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 the news of the MCU, like who get who gets casted, when stuff's being released, that sort of thing. I I that stuff it shows up in my feeds. I digest it. I read the news. I, I like to kind of know what's going on because I'm really interested in in the Marvel MCU um, or the the MCU in general. But when I saw that character, you know Kang, um, and again, I if if it weren't so late, I probably could remember the actor's name, but. I'm not for some reason, and I'll have to look it up. But when he walked, when he was in that elevator, and I saw who it was, I'm like, oh shit, they're doing, they're introducing Kang the Conqueror. They're introducing the multiverse. Because when, because the theories of Loki have been like, it's either another Loki or it's Kang. And it turned out it was, it was, um, they try to play you for a loop by saying it's he who remains, which is another character in the Marvel universe. Um, but it's just a nickname for essentially uh, Kang, who is uh, Nathaniel Richards, uh, supposedly a, de- a descendant of um, Reed Richards of the Fantastic Four. Again, this is all stuff you get by you know either being a comic book reader or a diligent Googler, which I am of the latter. I will say that I know little of Kang. Like, and my understanding is that he is like, you know, the comic world is messy at the best of time, and and he was. Uh, like you know, he he was uh, he's a messy character to be able to adapt in general, uh, and I think that the statue at the end was the the clear indication that okay that this character that you've been seeing is King King the Conqueror, um, and and I gotta say like this was a quintessential example of me being disappointed by the finale in how it served the Loki series because I found that it kind of, you know, it sidelined all the characters that you've been with most of the time, the Owen Wilson's, the um, whatever the, uh, the lady that was the, the number one guard there that we saw multiple times, the, uh, the judge, like all of these folks that we've been following in this plot in favor of a new character that was introduced at the 11th hour in the last episode, which was he who remains. Um, They really, they really went strong on the fact that this is going to be a a big moment for a greater thing. Like Loki does not as a series does not stand on its own feet. Like it, it, if there, if there were no MCU content tomorrow, then this show would be unfinished, you know, like this, this work would not, be able to exist um uh, it is clearly a to be continued and they say as much where they're like uh season two of loki will continue so i'm really i am i am keen to see where all this multiverse stuff goes i'm also keen to see how they are going to 
explain it like um in in because yes as much as they do expect us to watch everything they have to take into account that people do not when the doctor strange and the multiverse of madness comes out in fact everything is going to have to be explained in that film and sam raimi is a director i remember working on the spider-man movies um, when the studio was like, oh, you got to put Venom in your movie. He was just like, I don't want to put Venom in my movie. He hates all that stuff being crammed in in favor of like his what his vision is for a film. And yeah, he's going to have to play ball in the MCU. He's going to have to like work in bits and pieces, but he's going to want his movie to stand entirely of its own on its own two feet. So he can't take into account, oh, everybody watch Loki, you know, um, and uh and it's funny because Loki itself does the funniest thing in the first episode where they essentially make Loki, who is a Loki out of time. He's not the Loki that was killed at the end of Infinity War. He's the Loki, the evil Loki that's come right off of uh, the first Avengers movie. They essentially make him watch all the MCU movies, <laughs> which, <laughs> which I thought was really funny. Like he's like in there, like, like check out all these scenes of you, you know? Um and uh, and just going back to Owen Wilson really quickly, like man, he was so good. And this is what what I mean, like that they they set up some stuff and and in the early episodes, like when they're having the conversations in the cafeteria, and he's talking about he's talking about like jet skis and how you know like how he'd like to ride a jet ski and and uh, and they're talking about free will versus determinism man i just expected that that would pay off in a in a much more interesting way uh, than it than it did and that those were like my favorite parts of the show their dynamic and then sylvie was introduced and the reason i asked you if you liked her as a character is i did but i didn't love her you know she was okay and uh, and you know i know a lot of people were like put off by the romance stuff with loki um, or the fact that Loki changes it all because he is he is kind of like a known quantity in comics. And one thing I will say though is, is that I mean I'm glad he changed because that is that is what the narrative thrust is. If there was anything that was closed off in season one, it was that Loki evolved as a character from like a never do well who is in it for himself and for power into a guy who essentially turned down all the power in the universe, you know? Uh, and that, that is pretty cool. Like it's cool how they got there. And it was cool how even at the 11th hour, when Loki is given that offer, I am not like Sylvie. I am unconvinced that he is not going to take it. You know, mm -hmm. uh, I, I don't trust him down to the, to, to the nines, like at the, um, and, uh, and so it was, it was, uh, and he had to get that offer to turn it down for the audience to really believe, you know, this guy's changed, this guy's different now. Um, and then when, the, when, um, he who remains, who got like so much time in that last episode, like he talked a lot in favor of like Loki and Sylvie just sat silently through much of it. I felt that that was, that sucked a little bit. Uh, but at the same time, the MCU fan in me was like, oh, this is great. This is the money stuff. It's setting up everything else. But again, to my earlier point about how did it fit within this existing story? I'm like, ah, oh, it didn't fit great, you know, but, but I still, so, so Ryan, to your point earlier about me being critical about all these things, 
Like this is this is the one where I'm just like I'm critical because it kind of messes with the story, but at the same time I'm really excited about all that it could possibly entail. And finally, like that the 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 Loki will return in season two made it clear to me that like oh you know like this isn't the end of the road for these for these characters. I do think though that like that you know, if this is the kickoff for phase four, if this is the be all end all event, the fact that it was done by a Loki variant in Sylvie that I had never known before is a little underwhelming. Like, I'm just like, uh, I, you know, they did a good job of building her up, but like, uh, uh, you know, for, for something that's adapting the comics to create an entirely new character and have her be responsible for breaking the multiverse. I'm not sure. Maybe after some time I'll be like, Oh no, that makes sense. But yeah. it feels like they, they could have had Loki do it in some way. Yeah. I, I think a lot of people expected Loki to be the one to break the multiverse. And I think just because Sylvie does break it, it, it introduces what could be an interesting dynamic. I mean, with season two, you're going to probably have, depending on where it falls and how they resolve stuff in between seasons. I, I hope for both our sakes that, um, they do find a way to get season two of Loki out before they have to do the larger MCU, uh, addressing of, of the multiverse. I know we're not going to get it by December, but you know, maybe having it by before multiverse of madness, that might even be unlikely as well. There's been no news as to when they're filming, a second season but um and i and i looked up the actor it's jonathan majors who's playing kang the conqueror in uh, ant-man and the wasp quantum mania uh and then when but when i i knew that when i saw him show up and you're right he gets a very long bad guy monologue at the end but like i kind of i really liked his portrayal i have no understanding of who kang the conqueror is outside of the um, many, many YouTube thumbnails that use the comic book um, look and feel of the character. But the idea of Kang is that, yes, there are many, many infinite versions of Nathaniel Richards that exist, and they all become varying degrees of this um, Kang character. And um, the Conqueror is just one of them. But the idea, the fear you see in Loki's eyes when he returns and, and has this understanding of what, what is going on, that makes that kind of triggers my internal panic mode where I'm like, oh shit, now we have gone from a single timeline to things happening in a in whether they were predetermined or not before this we know they're predetermined now, but before this we just figured they were just events happening. Now it's like anything can happen. If they want to bring back Tony Stark, they can bring back Tony Stark. You know, they can bring back Chris Evans. They can bring back all these characters. And I think you you know how you sometimes get that feeling when your brain kind of goes into this. And maybe maybe it's just me, but uh, if there's anyone else there that has this feeling sometimes, like your brain kind of like thinks too big. Like it just keeps going. Like you're looking at an infinite pit and it's just like, it, you, you get that sinking feeling that's kind of the feeling i have to fight back when i think of like oh shit now the mcu can be literally anything and everything all at once and i part of me kind of like that focused you know look and i and I, yeah i'm looking forward to what if i think that's going to be a lot of fun but before loki that's all it was it's just oh it's a bunch of it's just gonna be fun so movies going forward, I'm kind of, and TV shows for that matter, I'm a little concerned 
I'm not super concerned, but there is this concern of mine of like, is this the MCU or is this a, a, a parallel universe we're not supposed to care about outside of this fun setup for a TV show or a movie? Does that make sense? Oh, it makes perfect sense. And I feel like it will be communicated for each project. They'll be like this. It's the equivalent of saying non-canon. You know, mm. they'll be like, this takes this takes place in a branching alternative blah, blah, blah. But it's blah, all blah, canon, right? right? Like, that's the thing. They've set it up in this at the end of this to yeah. be, it's all the MCU. But I, I, right. I get where you're coming from where it's like, oh, this is Earth uh 313 where yes, exactly. um star lord was uh t'challa instead of um like they could they could they could all of a sudden say oh you know the netflix uh universe or the agents of shield is uh universe whatever blah 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 you know like they can it's one of the branching ones they can work in sort of they could choose to work in anything they can all of a sudden work in all the 20th century fox acquisitions in some capacity right and say this was like i don't know so so it's just it 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 does give them that tremendous flexibility and from a practical standpoint it gives them the flexibility to say to a filmmaker you know, who is like, I gave the example of Sam Raimi earlier, and obviously he's working within the model, but like, but somebody who would not, you know, like say, hey, Martin Scorsese's, you want to do a uh, Marvel movie? Well, you, uh, you know, you can do whatever the hell you want. Uh, it will just say it's a variant. You know, it's one of the uh, it's one of the spinoffs or whatever. Like it, it allows them to do that from a practical standpoint. And, and at one point, like, honestly, like, they knew th- 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 there's so much runway that they've set up. They've done such an immaculate job of, of, of keeping everything connected that, that it can only go on for so long as the comic books will attest to before things get batshit crazy. And they've actually gone well longer than I thought they could possibly go before that happening. Like they've kept everything, you know, fairly tight. And so I think this is, this is almost a very savvy move where they can say, uh, you know, like they've broken the glass so that they can say, you know, any mistakes or F ups from here on in or like outside of this, the downside of this is what I said about the, the Falcon and the winter soldier, which is it, it absolutely undermines so much of the impact of what they're doing. Like you just said, they can bring back Robert Downey Jr.'s Tony Stark. They can bring back Chris Evans. You're absolutely right. They could, but it absolutely undermines or reduces the impact of like their sacrifices in Endgame, for instance. Right? Mm-hmm. Retroactively, re- retroactively, it does that, and um, and and that's the problem. Even the existence of it kind of does, and so that's that's the that that's the challenge. Um, Anyway, that 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 is for sure the uh, uh, the challenge moving forward. But I am I am very curious to see where where Loki goes, and I'm also curious, honestly, like just the framework of telling this multiverse story because you've got a Loki season two, then you've got whatever the Spider Man No Way Home movie is, and then you have the 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 madness multiverse then you have whatever's going on with wanda in her book um and and you just wonder like how did these how do all these pieces come together but one thing loki gave me was it gave me this slow drum beat that thanos has been providing up until this point 
in, in the rest of the MCU, the idea that something is coming, the idea that there is an, a threat, a bigger threat than just, you know, uh, the villain of this particular piece. We now know like Kang says he's going to be back and the next version of Kang is likely not going to be as nice as this version, right? This version is was called He Who Remains for a reason. My expectation is when we meet whoever, there will be one that self-identifies loudly and proudly as Kang the Conqueror, a variant, you know, from a different, and, uh, and it will be interesting to see who that is. Will it be the one in Ant-Man? And Ant-Man is always funny because as we said before the show, <laughs> like I watched Ant-Man and the Wasp before I watched the original Ant-Man just because Kevin Feige had made a big point. It was the one movie released between Infinity War and Endgame. He's like, you got to watch Ant-Man and the Wasp. And and uh, again, it's like another – like they feel like they should be so slight as films. But now the next one, there's some sort of tie-in with Kang the Conqueror. And, um, you know, just – how these movies are released and how they will fit together, it really reinforces your point that if now is the time that they have literally said, you have to watch everything, hmm. you know, uh, it's re it really feels like that there's no way out of it at this point to stay up. To yeah. Me. And I, and I, I think that's, that's totally true. Like all the projects you mentioned with Spider-Man and um, Dr. Strange, like you probably didn't need to watch the first Doctor Strange, um, if you didn't like that character or have an interest in that character. But now we're kind of in the point where it's it's there's always going to be new introductions to film. Like, for example, you probably don't need to watch Black Widow if it really comes down to it. If you don't want to watch Black Widow, if you don't want to watch Shang-Chi, if you don't want to watch The Eternals, like, those are films kicking off new characters. And if you're only interested in the continuation of the larger MCU story, you can probably get the gist of those films. But again, like for me, I enjoy the content, so I'm happy to consume all of it. I'm going to see all these, all the stuff I just mentioned. Um, but yeah, I am really excited for No Way Home. I want to see how they, it's all rumors at this point. We don't know, we know for sure that Spider-Man, uh, you know, Tom Holland, Zendaya, and um, the, the Ned character are all going to be kind of in some form or another running uh, they're on the run because Spider-Man has been, or Tom Holland, uh, Peter Parker, thank you, has been accused of killing a bunch of people. And that that is the, the premise. But obviously there's stories of like Doctor Strange being involved and, you know, multiverse and stuff. I, I you know, to kind of try to wrap things up with, the, it can be overwhelming to see the introduction of the multiverse, knowing how the comics have sort of handled it over the last, you know, 50 years. Um, and then trying to adapt that into, you know, a phase of films, I think, I think Kevin Feige can do that. I think the, you know, Marvel Studios can tell a compelling story that still contains the ramifications of a multiverse. I don't think they're going to bring back Tony Stark, um, because you're right. Like the, the first thing they said after Endgame was like, we don't want to cheapen the sacrifice of Tony Stark. Um, will there be another Iron Man? Yeah, of course. There's already series coming that are dedicated to um, some future of the Iron Man. You've got uh, Armor Wars with uh, uh, War Machine, and then you've also got Ironheart with, a, with another character that sort of takes up the mantle. Like the idea, like the, the idea of the heroes 
they're, they're always going to continue, but like specific characters coming back. I, I can see them keeping Robert Downey Jr. You know, on, on the sidelines for quite a while. Like, I don't think they're just going to instantly bring him back. I think we're going to, now that we have the big bad, they're going to move forward with the threat of Kang, the threat of the multiverse. And, you know, we have fantastic four coming as well, which is going to be another, is another, you know, set of heroes that deals a lot with Kang. So I think the early introduction to Kang with Loki to introduce the big bad in a way that is a little more substantial than they did with Thanos, because Thanos was just, you know, uh, who's that guy sort of like smiling at the camera at the end of Avengers, you know, meant nothing to me at the time, but to comic book readers, they're like, oh man, it's Thanos. And then they spent a decade continuing down that road. And I think they've really set up the next big bad a lot better because they gave him more screen time. And uh, yeah, it's going to be a while before we see the ramifications of what happened there. I don't think we're going to get a direct addressing of it in Spider-Man, but definitely in Doctor Strange. Did he not like, see, it is funny because the video game guy in me thinks that they actually set up Thanos better than they did this because (laughs) when, when Loki, when Loki was like the boss who brought the alien to like, I haven't seen the first Avengers for a while. I know that Thanos is in an, after credit scene mm-hmm. but is there not a scene in that movie where he goes loki reports back to thanos and says like i'm doing this shit i'm taking over this planet for you big boss i think yeah uh, well he does report to some i think i think there's a scene where he talks to some aliens but they look like the chitari i believe um yeah you may be confusing oh. it with guardians of the galaxy which really does feature thanos as like the guy in the chair and he's more of a character. And that came just, I think a year after Avengers, if I remember correctly. Yeah. It's, yeah. I guess that's the case that that's right. Then. Cause I did feel that like Loki was there on, but on behalf, uh, behest of Thanos. And so like you, it's just really like one of those deals where it's like the right hand, but then there's the real boss. He's like the sub boss. And then you've got the real boss and, and uh, and and you you got to get to that real boss eventually once you've leveled up enough, you know. But um, but but yeah. Whereas this with Kang, when he goes on that giant rant, like, and again, he's not the Kang that will be Kang. Like yes. he's a variant, right? He's the the best possible Kang almost. And it's just funny because of that. It's like he's explaining it. And you have to kind of parse through it and do Google searches and be like, okay, what's this guy? Is this guy coming back? He's like. I'm going to be back, but like, what's his deal? Like, I had a, re- I, I had some hard, a hard time wrapping my brain around it, around it which I think is intentional, um, and and they want they want you to, but uh, yeah, I, like wrap it, wrapping up the um, the Disney Plus talk. I, I I will say that for me, I I definitely enjoyed the the series as events. Like when there's one, there's not one going on right now. Um, it, it feels like I'm like, oh, that's something like right now my wife and I are watching Ted Lasso, which is releasing Fridays as well. So it's like our new event, if you will. But we we like having those shows now. We like having that 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 content drop that, of something that we both enjoyed. And all the series to a certain extent, we, we had that. And now they have proven themselves and making me interested in characters that I didn't think I would be uh, – 
The next one I think is Hawkeye. And again, I could not give a shit about Hawkeye. <laughs> and <laughs> so, so you never know. No, but that's it. That's it. I now they have whatever they've done here with these three first shows. I am now willing to give them the benefit of the doubt. I'm and I know like Matt Fraction and a couple of other writers have done really well by Hawkeye in the comic books. And my feeling is that the show will pull from what they've done there. I have not read those those runs. Um, but they were very well received. And I think like uh, there'll be some interesting stuff. I'm sure it will be interesting to me, but I, I, I've gone from zero interest in Hawkeye to maybe a five out of 10, which is a big jump. So, and, and it's, it's, it's really much attested to what they've done on, on these shows. It, they really are more MCU in every way than the Netflix shows were and and for me the big beef there is that they give up the tight storytelling that i think um you know sometimes i prefer uh i like the winks i just don't like it when it's like wink 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 to the point that they look like they've got epilepsy so it's really it's really um uh in in the the last thing i i will say is as much as i enjoyed watching them I meant I watched Captain. I, I watched Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Uh, I know that I, I mentioned that I watched Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I'd never rewatch it, and I think that I stand by that. There's tons of MCU movies that I've never rewatched as well. It's nothing against that show. It's just like eight hours of my life to a show that is like, eh, whatever. I'm probably not going to watch that again. Uh, I think about Loki and WandaVision. I think that it's doubtful I ever watch them again. Um, and maybe Loki, I could see it happening that I watch it again. Maybe refreshing for season two. I could, but uh, but that is the one thing. There's not there's there's not a, a a compulsion for me. This isn't content where I'm like, this is so great. I want to just have it on loop on the background. You know, uh, it's really um, and and I would argue like. In making the comparison, The Mandalorian, which is the other Disney Plus series uh, of note event series, I would rewatch that. I actually have. I've rewatched season one. I've watched it twice, and I've likely rewatched season two at a certain point. Um, there's something about that show and how it goes down, the space western, the action, maybe the Star Warsness of it all, that makes me want to rewatch it in the way that I felt feel like rewatching the star Wars movies. Like I re I rewatch MCU movies all the time. I'd rewatch an MCU movie. I don't think any of these shows is one that screams rewatch to me. The closest would be Loki. Um, but that said, I, I feel favorable about them. I'm more likely to watch new ones, which, which has got to be the goal here. So, um, so yeah, I, I'd say, if I'm gonna give, if I'm gonna put all three of these shows in a bucket, and say like, where where am I at right now? I'd say seven out of ten for the MCU's first foray into TV. Hmm. Yeah, I probably rate it, uh, you know, higher just because I I don't watch a lot of TV. I I I have like, I think the Marvel stuff. You know, there's just there's just I have a few shows on the go at a time. Sometimes they're like ones I'm watching um, that have finished, and I'm just sort of ah, oh, got 20 minutes. Let's watch an episode of Superstore. But like in terms of I gotta watch this the day it comes out. The Marvel stuff has really delivered there, and as you said, I'm watching Ted Lasso as well. And uh, you know, What If literally comes out. I think it starts next Tuesday, August 10th. 
Um, I don't know if Ashley will be into that. It's it's animated, so I might probably end up watching that on my own. Although I'll try to, you know, um, give it a shot with her. But you know, it's 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 been established as canon. You know that the What If show is canon. Um, there could be stuff that comes from that, but really, Crofton, I, I think the What If series might be sort of our first exploration of what the multiverse is and i think it'll be self-contained i could see there being multiple seasons of what if and just having it be like the exploration of of a multiverse as opposed to being you got to watch this so you understand the next six films right so i think we're gonna get a bit of both in terms of like you need to watch this to understand the big event film when avengers certainly comes back around and then you're going to have the standalone stuff that may or may not work for you. And I, I think for me, I'm I'm looking forward to all of it. I'm, I'm kind of easy to please when it comes to the MCU. Whereas if you look at like DC side of things, it's very rare that a film like film in the DC franchise kind of, you know, punches through and like, I got to see that. Like I'm looking forward to the Batman and I'm looking forward to Suicide Squad. Um, and uh, and also the the Flash movie because it has you know, other Batmans in it. It's and it's sort of introducing a multiverse. So like there's a lot to love here, but uh I think I'm I'm glad we've finally been introduced to what phase four is going to be with the MCU. And um I'm I'm interested to see because part of it part of phase four isn't has nothing to do with the with with the multiverse. It is just introducing new characters like Shang-Chi and uh, the Eternals and Miss Marvel and stuff like that. So I'm excited to buy that. I'm excited to see the character, you know, roster expand because I'm I'm always down for learning about new characters and seeing new parts of the Marvel world. So uh, that's that's what I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to like the established characters like Spider-Man, but also seeing new characters or characters I have I have little to no experience with. So I think the future is bright for sure. That is good, and I I think that that. Uh, one thing that Marvel has to be happy about is that they haven't had a jump the shark moment. Like you have to recognize here that it is like 12, 13, 14 years straight of superhero movies, now TV shows. Um, at any given time, you know, like the, the gravy train can, can crash. Like people can all of a sudden be like, you know what? I'm done here. And uh, especially as they give these longer shows and all of that, the the worry could be amplified that uh and and they haven't you know like to me they they've nailed these ones and and uh i haven't seen black widow yet but like reviews are are pretty solid for that as well feels like everything's still still going full tilt the audience still seems to be there and maybe covid was good for them in that sense that like there's a pent-up desire for these sort of big budget uh, franchise pieces uh, I, I'm with you like I've always been a Marvel guy uh, and so for DC I really have to do my homework like when it comes to DC properties like the Suicide Squad the Suicide Squad the yeah. new one not the old one that I do want to see based on the reviews and the James Gunness of it all 
it really it really is like a bunch of characters that I don't know and I would have to do my homework on, right? Um, where whereas uh, whereas the Marvel ones, I at least know who they are. Like Kang the Conqueror, I know barely anything about, but I know who he is. I knew he was a major antagonist for the Fantastic Four as well. Like I knew that. So like that's more than I know about Captain Boomerang, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, and so so because of that, like the the Marvel the Marvel you know, make mine Marvel. It's always been that way for me. And Ryan, what if comics I read when I was a kid, they were uh, some of my favorites, especially if it was a, what if, what if Spider-Man kept his cosmic suit? What if Venom possessed the Punisher? If it was fun, if it was Spider-Man related content, I was into those. And honestly, they really resonated with me. Like it's rare to remember single comics so well, but like the the what ifs really resonated with me because they were able to do more ambitious things and push things in interesting ways because in the end they had no bearing on the main comic book you know um, and so uh, they, they really really interesting so I am interested to see what they do with that with that show and um, I, I I didn't know that it started so soon but I will. I will keep my eyes open for that. Meanwhile, listeners, if you have comments on WandaVision, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Loki, all the MCU content coming on Disney Plus, what what your thoughts are on that? Are you are you a Crofton seven out of ten, or are you a Ryan like I'll give you ten on ten? For, for anything sight unseen. I like fun stuff, man. I, I love it all. Um, let us let us know. Or maybe you're like, God, I'm so sick of this stuff. I listen, I don't know why I listen to this super long podcast all the way to this point, but one out of ten. Um, and if <laughs> if that's the case, let us know as well. So you can by sending us an email, D and D cast at gmail.com. Ryan, did I get that right? Yeah, it's perfect. Awesome. And you can also tweet at us. I'm at Croft and Steers on Twitter. He's at R Murphy on Twitter. And the podcast is at DND Cast. Um, if you enjoyed a special episode that was just uniquely deep dive onto a certain topic, let us know. We can explore those uh, in the future as well. There were no kid talk today. Um, uh, you know, Ryan and I can are, are always up for, for feedback and new challenges and that sort of thing. So we would love to hear from all of you on that as well. Uh, if you listen to this entire episode and are like, oh man, this sucked. Uh, I don't like Marvel stuff or I, you know, I'm missing out on an episode because you spent it all talking about Marvel. So let us know as well. We're just curious uh what you think so um you can reach out to us in all the ways that i said previously uh tgistudios.com slash dad is where you can find all our episodes get caught up on the more regular ones and uh we'll be back in your feed in a couple of weeks with a regular dungeons and diapers diapers episode i'm going to anticipate right now it'll be super long because we will have a bunch of stuff to get caught up on so looking forward to it ryan Have a great day, everyone. Have a great day, Ryan. Let us sign off. Ryan, say bye to the folks at home. Bye to the folks at home. Oh, Ryan, you just broke the multiverse again. Dang it. Jeez, we've passed the point of no return. The Rubicon, we've crossed it. God damn it. Oh, Oh, there's there's Jocelyn from the Gamers Inn.
I can't believe it. The worlds are colliding. That's yeah, true. All the universes are folding in on each other. Uh, Paul Swickard from Sleeping with the Elephant is back in a from a universe where that podcast never went on permanent hiatus. Whoa! Oh my! Oh my God! Why? Why? Why is he wearing a red MAGA hat? I don't know. <laughs> All right. Uh, Look, okay, it's Bo Schwartz from the exclamation point. <laughs> uh, exclamation mark, Ryan. <laughs> God damn it. Uh, let's go to a universe where you got this outro right. Okay. <laughs> with, <laughs> with that, farewell, everyone. We'll see you soon. Bye. Goodbye.